Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Give Them the Sports Biz. It's Dan Vaughn with you out here representing the West Coast in San Francisco. And join, like always, representing the East Coast out of Manhattan. It's Mr. Matt Marino. Matty, what do you say? What's up, Dan? We, uh, you know, cruising through the NFL season. Got some uh, some NBA on the horizon, and uh, hopefully some fans come back into the stands in uh, in England in the Premier League. But uh, slowly, though, slowly. Matt, of course, the NFL agent with EMG, and Matt, let's let's start with the NBA because the basketball season just ended, or so it seems, in October. And now with the shortest 71 days, the shortest offseason in NBA history, they're going to ramp it up and do it all over again. This time, not in the bubble, however, as they're going to begin things December 22nd, which creates a lot of potential problems and a lot of things for us to unpack. Let's start, first of all, financially. What does this mean for the league? They lost upwards to 10% in revenue and merchandise, as well as gate receipts a year ago. As far as the salary cap, where are we at? And if you were to look at a long-term overview of the NBA financially, where are things at? So it's definitely different. You know, the projections of what the NBA, um, you know, was looking at heading into 2020, 2021 are, are certainly going to look very different than you know, what they currently look at. And, and like you just touched on that, you know, there's no fans in the stands uh, for the, the end of this past season, the playoffs, obviously, um, which is, you know, um, the bread and butter for the NBA, um, but sponsorships, um, media rights, merchandise, concessions, you know, all those things tie into a basketball related income. And, you know, that's how the salary cap and luxury tax lines are generated. So, you know, for the cap specifically, it was projected to be around 115 million this year. Um, it was, you know, agreed upon uh, recently between the PA and the, the NBA owners, that'll be 109 million. The uh, luxury tax line, instead of being 139 million, 139 million is going to be 132 million, and then the hard cap line uh, is down to 138, 138 million from 145 million. And essentially, you know, the league is anticipating that there be, you know, obviously financial difficulties next year, right? You might have four to five thousand people in the stands. Um, you know, you've already had teams at the Los Angeles Lakers come out and say, "Look, you know, we're." We're not letting people back in the arena yet. It's obviously difficult, you know, in a closed environment. Um, some of teams have now come out and said, you know, we're going to let uh, fans in the stands. And if you're within 30 feet of the court, you know, you have to have a COVID test. You have to test ne negative that morning. Um, you have to have temperature checks when you get to the arena. Um, possibly have a rapid test when you get to the arena as well, depending on where you're sitting. And they're going to have plexiglass up, you know, as, as if you're in, you know, almost like a coffee shop or a restaurant. Um, you know, protecting the court, protecting the players and the people that are sitting, you know, the broadcasters on the benches, the coaches, training staff as well. Um, so I think, you know, the NBA is probably, you know, I would say the most uh, proactive league um, out of the four big ones in the United States. Um, you know, certainly they were the ones that started the bubble concept. Um, you know, they're trying to, you know, basically play through um, what, you know, other leagues have, have not been able to do yet and, and figure out some of these issues and then, you know, attack them and address them. And there's no mystery as to why they want the abbreviated offseason. They want things going in December. They want to cash in on Christmas Day. They want to recoup some of the losses from a year ago. And they want to get in as many games as possible playing the 72. 
there is some because when you think about this season, it's going to be taking place right at the height. I mean, I can't even imagine. We're already spiking out of control in terms of COVID and COVID cases and the deaths and everything that's related to it. And then when you're thinking about mid-December, the projections are it's going to be even worse. There was some talk that maybe that they just stretch this out or hold off until March, that potentially we all know the vaccine and the cavalry's on the way and it could be we can get past these dark days and be sort of descending down the mountain, if you will, as far as heading towards a cure, maybe getting towards March where things are a little bit safer and, and some people are getting inoculated in springtime and we can see that there's a sense of returning to normalcy. But starting in December 22nd, one of the problems that, that at least I can foresee is the health of some of these players, because you're asking them to turn things around and play a 72 game campaign. And the health issues in terms of being susceptible to those soft tissue injuries. I don't, look, there's been some talk out here in San Francisco that Clay Thompson was ramping things up because he had to get back and he was aware of the de December 22nd date and, and he he expediated his his recovery and people there's some that believe that that's one of the reasons why he ripped his Achilles tendon and is gone for another year and a half. I, can you talk just for a moment as to some of whether the, the health concerns are going to be something that we have to keep an eye on going forward? Oh, I think for sure. You know, you've seen it come up in other sports, you know, obviously, um, you know, the soft tissue injuries are, are, are basically the first thing, you know, that, that kind of comes up and you've seen it be addressed um, most recently in the English Premier League. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, the uh, Liverpool manager, um, really ripped into the uh, the broadcast networks over there, Sky Sports and BT Sport, um, about the scheduling. Um, you've seen it now uh, with the NFL, not just because of, you know, an abbreviated offseason, but th there really was no offseason. Uh, you have, you know, uh, uh, injury, uh, injury, injury reserve lists have been uh, changed. You know, you can come back um, after three weeks. Um, you know, there's more players designated for return. There's obviously more IR uh, protocols in place. Um, and then the NBA as well, you know, you're talking about not only condensing, um, you know, two seasons really into probably about uh, 16 months, 17 months, something in that range. Um, but you're, you know, you're really talking about no off season for a lot of the players who, you know, went down to Orlando, played the bubble, played the, uh, um, played the playoffs. Um, so, you know, it, it affects it in a number of ways. One, obviously, you, you know, you see someone like Clay Thompson, you know, getting injured, you know, star player, obviously for the NBA, it's a, it's a huge detriment to them. Um, they're a star player, you know, driven league. That's what they do. Um, they want their stars out there. And they especially want their stars out there on Christmas day when it's the biggest day of their regular season. Um, you know, it's, that's not a secret to anybody. You know, they, they packed that day in there with, with games on, on Christmas day. So everyone's watching that. Um, I think the other thing that certainly players, you know, possibly agents and other people within the business are, you know, concerned about, you know, are what effects, you know, are there from COVID um, you know, you just had a player in the Buffalo bills, Tommy sweetie, Tommy Sweeney, um, who contracted COVID earlier this year. Um, he was diagnosed with myocarditis, which is a heart inflammation, uh, inflammation of the heart muscle, excuse me. Um, and another player on the Jacksonville Jaguars, Rockwell Armstead, um, has had that same issue. And those players are done for the season. So, you know, while most players have recovered, um, you know, relatively okay, or relatively unfazed from COVID, you know, the NBA is a little bit of a different bucket. Um, they were in the bubble without these players contracting it. And, you know, now they're going back playing in home cities. They're going to be traveling on planes, not commercial, you know, obviously charter flights, but you're still traveling out there in public. And, you know, 
the perception in the public is that you want to be able to keep your players safe. And when you can't do that, um, it obviously puts a scare and, and puts, you know, some more eyes in the wrong way on your league. Yeah. And you're opening yourself potentially to some serious lawsuits. If there's some COVID related prolonged injuries here, I sure. imagine when you look at this from an agent's perspective, if you were locking up one of these deals with one of these rookies, take the number one player taken this year, out of Georgia going to Minnesota, Mr. Anthony Edwards, you don't have a lot of time to get this deal done, do you? No, no, man. You're talking, I mean, this is quick. Like this is this is a real quick turnaround. And look, a lot of these rookie contracts, yes, they are boilerplate, you know, they are, you know, whatever you want to call it, pre-negotiated um financially. Um, you know, they're they're stuck in kind of a, a especially the lottery picks in the NBA. But there there's some serious, you know, not just uh business points, but just, you know, logistical points, you know, when you're going to get paid, is the bonus going to be deferred? You know, um, is the, you know, the bonus going to be paid out in, in installments? Is it going to be paid out, you know, in three or four installments? Um, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there. So yeah, while the big number, you know, he got 44 million for four years and 20 million guaranteed. Yes, that can be figured out quite easily. It can be executed quite easily. Um, but then you're talking about, all right, well, you know, if you're Anthony Edwards, you're wondering, all right, well, when am I going to get that 20 million? Is that going to be paid in, you know, $5 million installments? You know, how is the team going to budget that from a salary cap standpoint with a reduced salary cap in the off season um, and a reduced uh, luxury tax line this off season? Um, you know, so for players, you know, you're trying to get your ducks in a row, not just your NBA contract, your shoe contract. And I'll be honest, a lot of shoe companies, you know, Nike has reduced their uh, endorsements by about 90%. Um, you know, across uh, mostly the the NFL, some in the NBA. Obviously, they're still you know the the high level uh, company in the NBA. Um, but then you have you know some smaller companies or not smaller companies, but you know newer companies in the NBA space like Puma, who locked up Lamelo Ball and a number of other players, uh, young guys. Um, you know, so you're trying to get those contracts done for your for your clients for your players. You know, before they essentially have to report. Um, you know, the training camp within a couple of weeks. And, you know, normally that, that draft is in June and you have, you know, three, four months to get that done. You have summer league, you know, you have some time to network with people, talk to people in summer league, you know, see who's going to go where um, and then figure out, you know, kind of a plan in place for, for each client. But this is certainly a condensed year, not just for the players, but for everyone that's, you know, working in the business around it. Um, and then you add in, you know, certainly the, the NBA, the league office as well. Um, they're trying to make good on sponsorships from last year so they can get paid by their big time sponsors. Um, they want to make sure that those companies are happy and, and satisfied heading into 2020 and 2021, where they can go back to them again and say, look, you know what? Yeah. You know, we need you as a partner and this is why it's going to work. Um, you know, with Vista print as a Jersey pass sponsor or, you know, um, you know, uh, any of the other, you know, uh, licensing or sponsorships that they have going on. Um, you know, Radican with the Golden State Warriors, they want to make sure that their activations are, are being hit and that they can provide, you know, the touch points that they, you know, basically contractually obligated themselves to do. I guess if there's one shining light in all of this is that, because it's pretty obvious, right? I don't think you even have to be a hardcore fan to sort of understand the rush to get these players back on the court is financial that they need to start playing again so they can recoup some of these losses and they need to cash in on some of these big days. Cause this is, this is business. And that's what we do here on this podcast is talk about the business side of sports. 
But I do get a sense that I trust Adam Silver a little bit more than I do Roger Goodell and or mm -hmm. Mr. Rob Manfred. So I'll give him that benefit of the doubt. But I think that really this, this sort of the rubber meets the road here. I think that when you're talking about, we know that you, you have to do this for financial reasons, but then there's the, the player safety and the player concern as to whether or not that you're taking them fully into account in terms of their, their, uh, their mental health and, and their safety as far as not only whether they're going to be physically ready to play 72 games of basketball, but also putting them in harm's way in terms of, again, who knows where COVID's going to be in another six weeks. I mean, it's certainly going in the wrong direction. So I think that balance of, yeah, we need to do this financially, but hopefully they're taking into concern and talking to the players and the player union reps, which I'm assuming is taking place. Yeah. I, I mean, that's one thing I will say the NBA, MBPA does an incredibly I don't want to say better job than, but they're definitely more present than other players associations. Um, you know, if I'm ranking them, the players, the PAs, at least I'm, I'm putting MLB up there in the top, the NBA is, you know, one B. Um, I don't have any experience with the NHL players association, so I, I really can't comment on them, but the NFL players association is starting down the list. Um, they're, at, they're towards the bottom that, you know, they just don't have the same uh, rapport with their owners and certainly the league office. Um, and the MBPA, does a very good job. You know, I'm sure you saw, you know, some of the news that came out that, you know, the Pope hosted some NBA players on behalf of the PA uh, for social justice, uh, social justice initiatives. Um, so it's one of those things that I think the MBPA, you know, does quite well uh, protecting the players, not just, um, you know, physically, um, you know, over the course of the year, but, but certainly financially um, they understand them as a star driven league and that the players, you know, are the stars are the ones, you know, uh, they're the ones on the billboards and the posters, um, you know, putting the people in the stands, um, you know, it is entertainment. And then certainly uh, from a mental standpoint, you know, you've seen, you know, star players in the NBA really take a lead role. You know, Chris Paul, LeBron James, um, you know, obviously the first two to come to mind in terms of working with the PA. You don't have that in other players associations. Um, so you really have those those star players, um, you know, as a you know, as a little bit of a leverage tool there, um, you know, against the league office and, and, and the owners. So, you know, I think, you know, I, I saw Adam Silver commented recently that he estimates uh, about 40% of the league's revenue comes from fans and arenas. So clearly, you know, he and every owner that he represents wants fans back in the arenas. If 40% of the league revenue is coming from them, you know, they, they're trying to do everything possible to get those fans back in those arenas. Um, you know, and when the, a team like the LA Lakers says, look, we're not going to have fans at home games. Yeah, it affects them, but it also affects every other team as well. Um, and I think that's what you have to realize. You know, there's revenue sharing. There is, um, you know, obviously if, if one team sees one, you know, another team doing something, they're going to, you know, take notice of that and say, look, you know what, if, if we're the, you know, Brooklyn next, you know, the Lakers aren't doing this, you know, do we let fans in, you know, how do we, how do we do it here differently? You know, how can we, you know, benefit our fans and keep them safe? Um, so, I think that is, you know, one thing the MBPA does does quite well is, is working with the league and working with the owners um, to figure out um, exactly how to, you know, proceed with this uh, with this initiative this year and, and getting the season in. But also, um, you know, look, it's a 50-50 split with the players and the and the uh, the owners. You know, that basketball related income that's split down the middle. So the players want to get that income as well too, and the PA wants them to get it. Um, you know, so they want that revenue to to, to also keep climbing. Well, thankfully, I just get the sense that this is the beginning of the end. The NBA is going to have to take it on the chin just simply because of when their season is going to start. It's going to be right in the middle of what is going to be the absolute worst in terms of the number and cases of COVID. 
And then baseball in the spring, while they'll get hit, I think as the season goes on during the middle of the summer, you're going to see more people getting vaccinated and more people returning to games and, and have that somewhat sense of normalcy. And then by the time the NFL comes around, at least, you know, maybe this is wishful thinking that by the end of August and in the fall, I think that we could be looking at full capacity in football games, at least if I'm listening to Dr. Fauci correctly. And then, of course, from that point forward, the NBA will get back to being as we have known and grown to love the NBA and that being fans and, and the NBA as we know it. But as of right now, I think we just got a, one more time. COVID in 2020 is rearing its head as we head into 2021. And the NBA season is just going to be, as we just detailed, something that is going to be very unusual and much like everything else we've seen in professional sports this year, very, very challenged and very difficult and going to be very precarious in terms of the safety of the players and, of course, the financial hit that everybody's going to take, and especially the NBA owners. And, well, not the players because their, their contracts are pretty much guaranteed. Listen, listen Maddie, let's leave it for there, and we'll, um, we'll reconvene and check in on everything that's happening in the world of sports as it relates to business. But for right now, that'll do it for Dan Avone out here on the West Coast uh, and Matt Marino out on the East Coast in New York City. Until then, uh, we'll see you next time. So long, Matty. So long, Dan. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.